can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. You know what's funny about White Lotus? Yes. Is just by the way, if you haven't watched White Lotus yet or you are yet to watch the finale, don't keep listening to this intro. Just skip like maybe two minutes forward. Spoilers. You finish watching it and you're like, what the f did I just watch? There's <laughs> just so much happening. Okay, so if you haven't watched it, the first season is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it's bonkers. The Australian guy that won the <laughs> Emmy, Murray. I can't remember his name, but he was absolutely hilarious. That was phenomenal, that whole first season. It took me a little bit longer to get into season two. Same. I didn't love it as much. I didn't feel like it was as pointed. Like the first season was a very pointed criticism on wealthy people, whereas I felt this wasn't as – yeah, it didn't really have the bite of the first one, I thought. In the first, like, couple of episodes? Just in general, I didn't yeah. think it was maybe a little bit more all over the place or something. I think there was more mystery. There was more mystery in this one. Like, yeah, it was more of a murder mystery. Yeah, yeah, because you saw at the start that something had happened. It wasn't like a discovery of what everyone's story is, really. Yeah, because the first season was – it was shocking behaviour. Yeah. Like, <laughs> anyway, I thought – what I couldn't, I was yelling. So the Canadian and I were watching it and I was like yelling at the screen at Portia. Oh, at Portia, yeah. I was like, you're getting back in the car with Oh my him? God, don't what? get back in the car. Do not get back in the car. I was doing the same. Get in a cab. You've asked him to drive you back. You know that you might be murdered. Like, are you joking? Yeah. I thought that was ridiculous. And then also, well, maybe we won't give away the ending, but like, What's going to happen to Greg? Like, is he going to get in trouble? Like, I need to know. Well, it kind of made me think Portia wasn't going to go home and report that anything was wrong. <laughs> I said, oh, Portia's still alive. The police are going to talk to her. Yeah. She's going to reveal that Greg knew that guy and blah, 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 blah. And, and Greg's going to go to jail. None of that happened. It was just, I think Greg got away with it. I was also really disappointed because I thought that the ending was going to be like her jumping on the boat, escaping. Yeah. I thought that was a bit too easy, that ending mm. with her. Yeah. Yeah, that was – yeah. I just don't want to give that away, but, yeah, that was – Great show, though. As Sadaf said, Aubrey Plaza's outfits, her character oh. Harper – her outfits were really good. Whatever her stylist was putting out, I was picking up. Oh, I do have a question for you. Aubrey, yeah. I, can't, I don't know any of their names. I can't remember anyone's names in the show, but Aubrey Plaza's husband. Yes. Do you think he slept with the blonde girl, the wife of the other guy? Yes, Sutton from The Bold Type. Have you seen The Bold Type? No. Because that girl's in it. Oh, Sutton. okay. Yes, I do. I do think he did on that island thing. The Canadian and I were a bit like, are they trying, like, is this show trying to say that, like, when partners go off and cheat on each other, that it makes them more in love? Because that's was kind of the vibe. Yes, I do think that's what they were trying to say. What about Albie? What about oh, Albie? I love giving Albie. Giving <laughs> He just handed over 50 grand. I know. And then got swindled. She was giving off Tinder swindler vibes for sure. She was. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that storyline with Mia and Valentina was going to develop a little bit more, but it didn't. 
Anyway, there might be a season three. We'll see. Oh, there surely will. It's been like this has been a cultural moment. Yeah, it really has. It's all over. In like I've been watching <laughs> those memes where people put people dancing. Like what's his name, Miss Double Bay? Did Mister G dancing yeah. to the theme song of White Lotus? Yeah, ha, so hilarious. good. And Lizzie Lohan as well at her beach club. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually love that theme song. Yeah, same. It's such a good song. All right, what is on today's episode, Hannah? On today's episode, we are chatting to Dr. Lucinda on what actually causes BO. Then Joe's going to chat all things LED devices and, of course, the products we didn't know we needed. Okay, so Dr. Lucinda is back with us. Today we're talking BO or body odor, as it's also <laughs> known. Dr. Lucinda, my first question for you is essentially what is BO and what causes some people's body odour to be more overpowering than others? So basically, body odour caused by an interaction between your sweat and the bacteria that normally live on your skin can also be caused by the bacteria also eating the dead skin cells on your skin as well, which is mainly in those creases in your skin, which get a bit moist. And that's like the best kind of like feeding sort of material for the bacteria, basically. Mm. So it's those kind of things that cause a body odour. It's probably interesting to like have a bit of a background into sweating in general like you've got two types of major sweat glands the eccrine glands which basically cover you head to toe and they basically sort of sweat to help with sort of regulating your body temperature and secrete things like water and salt and then you've got the apocrine glands and these are the ones which are involved with like the bo kind of situation and those are the ones that develop during puberty in your armpits in your groin in your chest like your nipple area and they produce sweat continuously containing things like fats and protein and sex hormones and these are the things that like the protein and the fats are the things that the bacteria actually feed on and it's their byproduct that then smells. Because I went through a stage of using apple cider vinegar under my arms because I felt like that was stopping any kind of smell and it was making my deodorant work better because the citric acid, obviously, in apple cider vinegar was eating away mm. those dead skin cells and I think just clearing away bacteria from the area. 100%. Yeah. So that was my little hack. How old are you when you were doing that? Like, were you quite young when you discovered apple cider vinegar? Oh, a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Probably started doing that a few years ago. Okay, cool. How do you put it on? I just use a little cotton round Mm. at Ah. night. So I don't put any deodorant on at night. So I would just swipe that under my arms at night and then I'd put my deodorant on normally in the morning. Interesting. That is a good hack. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Does that mean because like I would, even though I've had laser hair removal, I would like use a razor still to just like get off those dead skin cells and you're getting the bacteria. Is that a thing? Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Joe and I both do that. Yeah. We just shave our underarms with no hair. Really? Okay. Yeah, to exfoliate it. Ah, I don't know. See, I would probably sort of think about using other things to exfoliate underneath the armpits like say for example you've got a facial cleanser that you use for like <laughs> acne <laughs> I know, I'm just like thinking oh gosh interesting but yeah you know how you've got like facial cleansers that you use for acne you could totally also consider using that as a chemical exfoliant just sort of making sure that you obviously wash it all really really well so that's something that I would consider yeah like an AHA or BHA 
like cleanse IE could pop under your arms? Yeah. So my fave sort of ingredient for those kind of things is benzyl peroxide actually so if you've got anything with that specifically that that'd be really good but an AHA BHA that would be worth giving a go you know what I found good as well Hannah what? the Tuscan tan tan toner is like a pH balanced ah. thing and it works really well with just I think neutralizing odor I would say has that got like antibacterial in it or something or is it like an acid as no. well it's not an acid mm. it's just a body wash it's just pH balance I don't know I don't actually know what's in it. Kind of like Femme Fresh. Yeah, kind of like Femme Fresh. I use it all over my body as a body wash, like all the time. <laughs> Interesting, because I wonder if it's a pH balancer, whether or not it is sort of interfering a bit with like microbiome balances, maybe. Yes. Maybe that's why it works. I think we're in the middle of a phenomena because I think everybody who's had their underarms lasered mm-hmm. probably has noticed they smell more. Mm. I noticed I started smelling more. Because you're not shaving them I, regularly. Yeah, when I'd had my armpits lasered. And I've had my armpits lasered since I was literally 18 years old, yep. so over 10 years. Interesting. And yeah, because I'm not regularly shaving the area. I'm not removing dead skin. I'm not removing bacteria with a razor. That's fascinating and a really yeah. interesting point. Someone should do a study on that. <laughs> yeah, 100%. The torches I get, everyone we know. Because <laughs> you can get deodorants as well that have some exfoliant in it, but that's sort of like something to cut for. I haven't actually found one yet myself. I'm like trying different deodorants like every single time it runs out just to find the one for me, but it can be quite tricky. What does it mean if your body odor changes over time? So like it's totally normal for body odor and everything to change. Like you can kind of see it as like there's so many different different things in our lives that change like for example like even our microbiome in our body will change the bacteria that live on our body and that's totally fine like the hormones as well one other thing with body odor is a theory that but when we ovulate uh, we release this sort of scent which might be there to attract the males Ah. and things like that so we're sneaky aren't we uh, exactly (laughs) so so that might sort of adjust as our age changes and things like that but also with our diet it can totally change with that as well if you notice there seems to be some sort of link like whenever you're eating a curry or something that's full of spices onions garlic cabbage like lots of sulfur containing foods as well or like red meat or if you have a ton of fish you're gonna notice potentially a change i think Mm -hmm. another important one to mention on the diet is alcohol as well and also hot sauce so those things are commonly associated with a change in body odor There's also things like stress that can impact on it as well. I feel like stress impacts everything. Yeah. And it makes you smell. And that's because when you're stressed out, you release more adrenaline. And basically what that does, it increases the ratio of the apocrine glands in comparison to the eccrine glands. So the apocrine glands, the ones that feed the bacteria with their secretions. But the thing is, it's like, it's also totally normal to be stinky at times. And I feel like we should also embrace the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to smell. Everyone smells yeah. at some point. Like, <laughs> Well, the cavemen didn't have deodorant, so they were just walking around with their natural smell. Like eating fish and like meat all the time as well. Can you imagine yeah like own it you know <laughs> so dr lucinda can you run us through some of the options for dealing with bo 
Aside from apple cider vinegar. (laughs) Yeah. Can I just give mine? I use clinical protection deodorant. Mm. Nothing works better. I use Mitchum roll-on. Oh, really? You don't use clinical uh, clinical protection for me? I use Rexona. No, I used clinical protection. Didn't work that well for me. No, I use Mitchum roll-on. Oh, it works like a dream. If I use that clinical protection... I smell good ah, all okay. day. Do you know what the active ingredient in that is? So it's Rexona's most powerful antiperspirant. What does that mean? Stops you from sweating. So antiperspirant and deodorant are two different things. So the antiperspirant is what stops you from sweating exactly right because it basically puts droplets at your glands to stop them from secreting any sweat. And then deodorant basically perfumes it with, you know, just masks the smell, but also can alter your bacteria level as well on your skin surface. Is it the aluminium that's making us not? Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm looking at right now. That's absolutely spot on. Basically, aluminium's the ingredient that you want to really look for when you're going for an antiperspirant, if you want to like stop the sweating, basically. But not everyone reacts well to it. Some people get sort of skin rashes and stuff to it. The good news is like it's safe in breastfeeding and pregnancy and there's some people that are worried about having read previously maybe links between cancer and stuff but there's absolutely no evidence at all there's been so many really good studies done there is no evidence for showing a link between aluminium and any form of cancer so please don't be worried about that like the one that I'm aware of is dry claw but I've not personally tried it I've just been using it in skin procedures I have heard about that so it's an aluminium based antiperspirant oh, okay but what you found there Hannah is a really good option because it combines both the antiperspirant and the deodorant and so if you can get that combination it's probably the best one a little tip Rexona's not my number one I pretty much will go to chemist warehouse or the supermarket these are expensive they're like $13 yeah so what I'll do is like whichever one's on sale so either Rexona or Dove like it doesn't matter I'll just buy the one that's on sale and so if you get it on sale I got it the other day $6.50 which is much more $13 is a lot for a deodorant guys the Mitchum one is (laughs) (laughs) $3.50 well the Rexona one's $6.50 at the moment I think that's what I got it for the other day if you want to save another $3, yeah, but this is an extra $3 for clinical protection. Yeah. Whatever that means. I don't know. The clinical protection didn't work as well for me. I don't know why. I think you got to give it another go. Maybe you don't sweat that much. I don't sweat that much. I just feel like it stinks. Well, that's maybe your microbiome going yeah. like, not for me. Maybe. Once you've found the one that works for you, it's best to stick with it. That's sort of the best advice that I would give for that. Like there's no need to keep going around and around and around. Just stick with what your body likes and yeah, keep it from there if you can. I was actually a bit sad. My boyfriend got back from the gym and he'd used the Rexona clinical protection. Oh. I'm like, oh, it doesn't smell at all. Like he just <laughs> smelled like deodorant. Like it really blocked the smell, that sexy smell after the gym. <laughs> Maybe just give him dry claw then and just sort of like only antiperspirant for you. <laughs> I want to smell everything. 
<laughs> There's some interesting ingredients to also look out for if you've got sensitive skin for looking for deodorants and stuff. So using things like ceramides to help protect the skin barriers, vitamin B5 as well to help soothe the skin and reduce inflammation. And then ones that can include like coconut oil as well that can help soothe the skin. Basics are like actually shower daily, get away that body odor. You can also use antibacterial soaps as well. And just in those sort of areas where the odor is the strongest. So, you know, armpits, feet even, if you've got foot odor. So that can be really good. And as we mentioned before as well, like things that contain maybe even benzoyl peroxide or your acne cleanser. And then obviously looking at your diet and then trying to notice, oh, like after that asparagus, my gosh, yeah, my BO really took it up a notch, you know. And then also things like clothing. So cotton clothing helps you to breathe, like your skin to breathe better, which is really good. Oh, polyester. Every time I wear polyester, stink. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think a hot wash as well tends to kill more germs. So do I. If you wash your clothes in heat instead of – because I always use a cold wash and my clothes are fine, but if mm. I really – like mm. if I was really worried about my clothes not smelling super fresh – I would go hot wash. And that's a really good point because sometimes it's not you, it's your clothes that smell. Yes. If it's getting like really bad and you're needing some additional kind of help, like you're looking into maybe seeing a doctor for some oral medications to help or a Botox even to help with the sweating and things like that. And going back actually to the natural things, you mentioned apple cider vinegar. Lemon juice is also a good one. And you can put it in a spray bottle mixed with a bit of water and then spray it in your underarms. And then there's also like using baking soda as well, apparently. So it balances the acids in your skin, which can reduce odors. So those are like the main things. All right. Well, if you don't have clinical protection or Mitchum deodorant, (laughs) head down to your local Woolworths. (laughs) Otherwise, you can try any of those other remedies. Thanks again for joining us, Dr. Lucinda. Oh, pleasure. Hannah, I felt compelled to do this particular segment because I've been meaning to do a video on my Instagram about this because it's something I get DM'd about on a daily basis. Like I would get, I reckon, at least 10 DMs a week. Anytime I do a question box, everybody's asking about at-home LED devices. So I wanted to do a segment on this because as you know, not all at-home LED devices are made equal. I have quite a lot of issues with the fact that there's just, Mm -hmm. I see them advertised all the time on Instagram and it just makes me cringe. And I always look at the comments because there's people being like, oh, does this work? Does this do this? Does this do that? Mm. I'm just like, oh, don't buy that. Don't do it. Don't waste your money. Like keep saving and Mm. then buy something that's actually going to make a difference to your skin. Yeah, because they're all over Instagram. There's so many that you see. All over Instagram. And I saw a sample coming to work the other day from some, I don't even know what the brand was. I don't even think it was something we stocked, but I was like, that's not going to do anything. Mm. There's three globes in there. What the hell? No. Anyway, so it's very frustrating because there's a lot of stuff on the market and there are a few devices that I recommend. There's two that we don't stock. There's two we do stock that I'm going to talk about today. The ones that we don't stock are the Omnilux and the Dr. Dennis Gross Spectralite. I know that the Spectralite is FDA approved. I don't know a hell of a lot more about it because I haven't bothered to really look into it. It's not one that I I go to to recommend because I've got others that I actually have at home that I've seen results with. So that's an important factor as well. I've used all these devices that I'm really speaking about today. I've seen the results that they've had on my skin and people around me's skin. My boyfriend loves to lay under the trophy skin. I saw on Instagram. (laughs) He goes and gets it out himself now. 
Love that's that. The other night I was upstairs. He came over and I was on the phone to one of my friends upstairs. I said to him, like, come up here. And he was like, I'm under the LED. Uh, <laughs> so he loves it. Okay, so the, the devices that I personally recommend are the Omnilux Contour, which is a mask that molds onto your face. So it's like a silicon mask. The bulbs are within that mask and you strap it onto your face. We don't sell that at a door. Maybe one day, who knows? But I have one of those at home. I've used that extensively. Really like that one. I've also got the Trophy Skin Rejuvalite MD, which is a panel. And that can sit over your face. You can kind of maneuver it. It's got a flexible arm, so you can do whatever you want with it. And then the light stim handheld device, which I really like for spot treating or if you're like trying to use it on different areas of your body or face, that's a really good one as well. And I started with that one. So you might have remembered the bruise story from when I was in Vietnam very early on in this podcast. I used it on that. And there is a YouTube video on our channel. We posted that to stories. Yes, we did. I can't believe I allowed my bum to be on stories. Door stories. <laughs> but you can see those photos of the bruise on my bum on our YouTube channel. If you just type in mm. LED light therapy, Adore Beauty, it'll come up with that video. But anyway, I want to talk about finding the right at-home LED device because maybe you don't want to purchase one of the ones that I've recommended or it's above your price range or whatever it might be. There's a lot of important parameters to consider and I think a lot of people don't realize that. There's a hell of a lot of them on the market and I just want to make sure that if you are spending your money on them that you're looking for these particular things and these parameters are often not something that brands will advertise aside from wavelength. So Mm -hmm. There's a few things, and I'm also going to discuss the things that you need to consider from a personal perspective when you're purchasing a device like this. So the first things from a technical perspective are wavelength, which is measured in nanometers. So you'll usually see something like 650 nm mm-hmm. advertised on the product page of the device that you're purchasing. So our tissue absorbs light at different wavelengths, which triggers the different biological processes in our skin. So for example, our red and near infrared light, ranging from about 620 to 1200 nanometers, that helps to support collagen synthesis. It reduces the appearance of redness, certainly has in my case. It promotes skin healing, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So it's important that when you're choosing a device that you're selecting a device that emits the correct band of light. Because if it's not, then it's really not going to be doing anything biologically within the skin. So more than 620? It can range. Oh, so you okay. can go for a blue. Just have a look at the product page. Make sure they're discussing wavelength on the product page because they'll be able to identify what wavelength that product contains, I guess would be the right word. Now, the next really important thing is what we would call wattage, power density, or irradiance. This is measured in milliwatts. So this refers to the power density of the beams of light. So essentially how concentrated the light is at any given point, and that can indicate how much of that light wavelength is passing through any given area of space. So the optimal clinical radiance, so something that you would have in clinic under one of those big panels, would be around 40 to 150 milliwatts per centimetre squared, Mm -hmm. while at-home devices are not going to be as strong, obviously, and they'll usually come in around the 30 to 50 mark. I had a look at the FDA documents. The Trophy Skin Rejuvalite puts out about 62 milliwatts per centimetre squared. The Light Stim around 65 milliwatts per centimetre squared. And the Omnilux about 30 milliwatts per centimetre squared. So this figure also helps to determine your treatment time, which 
I'm kind of going to go into in the next parameter, which is your energy density or joules. And that can sometimes be referred to as dose as well, because it kind of indicates how long you should be using the device for. And this is how much energy is delivered via the wavelength and power density parameters over a particular amount of time. So for example, if you sit under that light for X amount of minutes, it's going to deliver X amount of energy measured in joules to the skin, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So it's a little bit complex, but all these things are really, really important when you're understanding whether your device is actually effective or whether it's a piece of basically. So with the minutes, can you sit under an LED light for too long? Like, is that possible? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it will just heat up the skin. It'll just cause unnecessary heat in the skin. So you should sit under it for the recommended amount of time. And when you're looking for a device, you probably want to contact, if they're not letting you know what the power density is, and they're not an FDA approved device, and you can't then go and find that somewhere else, that information isn't available elsewhere, it's worth asking them what the power density is because then you can work out what your treatment time should be or you can work out how long you should be sitting under the light for. So that's an important parameter to ask from a brand if you are buying their device and they don't advertise that, which is very, very common. And it's a question I get a lot is like, how do I know what such and such is? And you really do need to reach out to the brand if they're not advertising it and it's not available elsewhere. But FDA devices will usually have the milliwatts advised on a document somewhere, which you can then Google. But FDA is in America, so that'll just be American brands. Yes, but the Trophy Skin and Omnilux and Lightstim were all available. Not American brands, but brands that are like wanting to get approval in America. Brands that are available in the US. Yep. Exactly. So you may not find Aussie brands on there. So I always recommend devices that are FDA approved where possible, or they've conducted their own clinical or independent trials of their specific product Mm -hmm. to ensure that it is actually effective. A lot of brands ride on the coattails of everybody else that's done the clinical trials or the existing evidence on LED. And they'll go, oh, this product does this because red LED does do that. But is your product actually strong enough to do that? Probably not. Yeah. So that's really important to be aware of is that they can say that LED does that, but it's not exactly going to be what their product does because if they've done no clinical trials and they've got no evidence to support their device, then I probably wouldn't waste my money on it. So I'd stick to the ones that are recommended by a lot of experts in the industry. The other personal factors I would consider which I get asked all the time, people are like, oh, you recommend this one and that one. Which one's better? Mm-hmm. If I recommend them, they're all good in my eyes. It's down to the format of the device. So is it a panel, handheld, mobile? What suits your life best? I really love my trophy skin panel because I love to have that downtime and sit under there. But if you're a mum who's running around after a toddler and you've got a baby attached to your boob all the time, like you probably want the Omni because it's going to stick to your face and you can walk around with it. You can just turn it on via the remote. You'll probably scare your whole family because it does look terrifying. But if you're busy and you don't have time to lay under a panel, then get something like the Omnilux. If you are someone that wants to spot treat different areas, you might get something like psoriasis on your legs, or you might just want to spot treat areas of hormonal breakouts on your chin, then get something like the light stim, which is handheld and you can move it around to different areas quite easily. So that's something to consider as well. But all the devices that I personally recommend, I know are effective. So don't be worried about what's better than what. It's just really does come down to the format. The next thing is budget. They do range quite a bit in budget. And honestly, if your device is a hundred bucks, it's not worth buying. 
just pay the extra to get something that is better quality. I wouldn't personally buy a device that is really, really cheap or seems too good to be true because it probably is too good to be true. And then the other thing is the commitment. At-home LED, if you're not going to be doing it probably two to three nights a week at a minimum, then it's probably not worth your time. Well, I was just thinking I felt you'd sold me on that trophy skin yeah. light MD. I was like, but I actually just don't think I would probably use it. I'm That's just not thing. someone to lie down and, and put an LED on. Unlike your boyfriend, yeah. who obviously <laughs> is committed. If you're not going to be really committed to it, it really isn't the technology for you, I don't think, because you really do need to be consistent with it to see results. And you will see results. Like I notice when I've been really consistent with my LED, my skin is glowing. And then when I taper off a little bit and I'm lazy and I forget about it, then I'm like, oh, why is my skin looking a bit eh? And then I start my LED again. I'm like, okay, I'm back. (laughs) But you do need to be consistent. So if that's not you and you don't have the commitment to things like that and you can't stick to a routine, then I wouldn't bother. And the other thing to say as well is always use your at-home LED devices. Cleanse your face before you put your skincare on, do your LED. And then once you finish, do all your skincare. And then you can go to bed or do whatever you want to do for the rest of the day. But always, yeah, bare skin just so that there's no like interference and there's nothing that can impact your treatment. But that's pretty much everything I think I had to communicate. I've got that off my chest now. I that feel was a lot better. Very informative. <laughs> oh, it's been killing me for ages. I get so many messages. So I'm going to be sending people to this episode every time this I get episode. a DM. So this is going to be like our highest listened to episode of the year. <laughs> products we didn't know we needed. I'm like 90% sure I haven't spoken about this before. I used it the other night and I was like, I don't think I've spoken about this. So I had a really sensitive scalp the other night. Like I think it was product build up. It just needed to be soothed. It was like really sore and sensitive. Have you had that before? All the time. I get a really itchy scalp after I wash it. Yeah. And you just want it to like, you just want to soothe it. So I remember that I had this scrub. It's the Coco and Eve Like a Virgin Deep Clean scalp scrub. I looked at the ingredients and I was like, oh, I'm going to leave this on my scalp because I I need it to soothe it. And it like instantly helped. So I had a look at the back looking at the ingredients and I feel like it's got volcanic ash and coconut shell. So that's for physical exfoliation. My only thing with scalp scrubs is it's a little bit hard to really get into every nook and cranny of your scalp because you've got so much hair. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I did try to get in there, but the thing that really helped, it has like peppermint oil. You feel this like soothing, like I think that's for soothing the peppermint oil. So I left it on so I could really feel that peppermint oil soothing that tenderness. Uh. It's got AHAs and BHAs for chemical exfoliation. Yeah. It's got passion fruit and coconut and caffeine actually. My favorite part is the peppermint oil though. It's like cooling, a bit tingling and cooling. How much is it? It is $46. Okay. It's a big tube, 150 mils. Okay, not bad. Obviously, I love that Christopher Barn purifying scrub, but I felt like I really needed something to soothe my scalp. Sometimes Mm -hmm. when I've got a lot of product, I'm like itching my scalp. If I use too much dry shampoo, it gets itchy and then it gets a little bit tender. We are actually going to talk about this in a future episode because I feel like a lot of people use a lot of product in their hair and then they're never really cleansing their scalp properly. Yeah, no, I think this is a really nice one. It's that I loved that peppermint oil Mm. and I just sat there and felt like I was at a day spa because my scalp was all like tingling and, and felt good. I mean, someone did say this felt so minty and cool, almost too much. Well, I liked it. 
I'm glad you did. Oh, here we go. My hair is so long, like down to my butt. So I do appreciate when my hair feels super clean and has had a thorough wash. Yeah, that's long. To your butt. Real long. I did get a haircut the other day, by the way. You know how I've been talking about my hair falling out? Oh. I got a big chop the other day just to make it feel a bit thicker. It's still falling out, but I've been back on the Vitago collagen. Mm-hmm. nearly every day in my smoothie. So I've just run out of a box. I think I have another one somewhere in the house. So I'm going to track that down, but that's my first step. And I've also switched back over to my Virtue Recovery shampoo. I can't remember if I told you that. Yes, you did. Yeah, because I, I do love that shampoo. So I'll keep you guys posted on how I go. My product I didn't know I needed today is the Bondi Sands Gradual Tanning Lotion Tinted Skin Perfector. Oh, long name. This is... so a pretty bargain tanning product like the tanning products we used to buy you know were pretty pricey like I now have a spray tan machine so I really don't buy fake tan but I used to buy loving tan every single week I still use tan in between getting a spray because Hattie has to do my spray tan if neither of us Mm -hmm. if our commitments don't line up (laughs) we won't do a spray tan we'll do our own but I've never really used a gradual tan like since high school like remember when they had that Latan one and it just was yellow. So your skin would just literally look yellow slash (laughs) orange. This is actually really good because it's like that. Remember that Vita Liberata body blur? What was it called? That we were obsessed obsessed. with ages. I don't even think we stock that anymore, but so nice. Like it's body makeup essentially. Like it gives you just this glow, it gives you a bit of a tint. It's just stunning. So this has that element as well. So it's like an instant tan as well as being a gradual tan. Mm. So you can pop it on before you go out and then you can wash it off when you come home and you'll have a little bit of a gradual tan. You can apply it every day if you want to. The only negative I would say, and look, the price is right, only negative would be it does transfer. So if you are wearing a white dress, do not apply this product. Mm. If you're wearing anything white, do not apply this product. If you have beige-coloured car seats or you're sitting on your furniture, do not sit on it with this product. Mm -hmm. So that's just my warning. It will definitely transfer, but it's a really nice product. It definitely gives you a glow to your skin. I wore it the other night for our Christmas party because I hadn't done a tan and I decided at the last minute I was going to wear like a mini dress. And so I just put this all over my legs and in photos I'm like, oh, God, they look amazing. So it's like body makeup, but then it's a gradual tan. Well, yeah, it's instant like skin. It says gradual tanning lotion, tinted skin perfector. So it's like Uh, the gradual tanning lotion. So it does that. And then it also is a tinted skin perfector. So yeah, which is why it transfers. Because the body blur did that as well. You couldn't wear that and it not transfer. Yeah. And you're not really going to be able to wear any kind of product like that without it transferring a little bit. So it's just something to be aware of. Like I wouldn't want someone to buy this product and then go and put on a white silk gown. So just be mindful of that. Well, sometimes I read a headline on Instagram and I think really, like I was really (laughs) upset about this. It basically, it says pressing issues. It's an Allure Instagram post, pressing issues. I thought, This is not a pressing issue, but it's press-on nails have a sizing problem. Press-on nails are back and more popular than ever, but lack of inclusive sizing leaves many people feeling left out. And actually someone, I looked through the comments and someone was like, people are dying here. (laughs) Yeah, so I've actually had this thought myself with press-on nails because I'm like, how can you know that everyone's nail is going to be the same size? 
Yes. Well, Do they come in different sizes or they're just a universal size? Well, people then were writing in the comments about like try this suggesting brands that do like lots of Uh, sizing this brand has great sizing options i mean look it's pretty low down on the list of things to be concerned about yeah (laughs) because you probably could go to a salon and true every single person in the world has different size nails that's true yes Every person. Everyone has a everyone has a different size nail. It's a hard thing to cater to. I'll give them that. I feel these press on nail companies are being slammed by Allure, but like literally billions of people have different size nails. There's like no nail that's the same size. Anyway, that was just my little tidbit for the week. But we'll see you next week. All right. We'll see you next week. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated.